For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I went to Bladen Races, it was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Balmbras, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, my lads, you should have seen us gunning, passing the folks along the road just as they were standing. All the lads and lassies there, and all with smiling faces, gunning along the Scotswood Road to see the Bladen races. Past Armstrong's factory and up to the Robin Adair But can't ignore the railway bridge that Hello and welcome to another episode of CHN Radio I'm your host Wayne Bell I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Croft from the Athletic How are you doing Chris? Hi, I'm very good thank you, no thank you for having me on, how are you? Yes, not too bad thank you um, How's lockdown been treating you so far? Um, well as, as you noted when we came on to Zoom My hair's growing back so, for anyone who didn't know, my uh, my fiance was was given the task of, of cutting my hair. Lockdown and left it, and it so, but it it is starting to grow back. It's I, I mean I've been in a very fortunate position that I've been able to keep working, and obviously like anyone, this this sort of uh, been frustrations and 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 challenges along the way, but. Actually, from from for me, my family have remained healthy. I've remained healthy, and uh, so I, I've been in a very fortunate position, and I, I recognise that. So yeah, it has it hasn't been too bad. Although with things opening up, that it's it's nice that things are starting to change again. Hopefully, yeah. Let's let's hope so. We just need the pubs open, don't we? And then then we're all happy. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's obviously a Newcastle United show, and it wouldn't be. Right, I suppose, even though it annoys me greatly, and it's probably the reason I haven't got any hair um, anymore. Um, but the takeover, um, I just want to get your thoughts on it. Do you think it will go through? Um, just in your opinion, um, everyone don't take it seriously because everyone's, you know, got different opinions, and we don't know which way it's going to go at the moment. Um, so I just wanted to get your views on it, really. Um, well, I think like anyone, like everyone, sorry, this, it's become exasperating now. This is just, uh, I mean, in some ways for, for, for me, it's been, it was good early on in terms of, the, you know, there was that real positive energy from, from Newcastle fans, even during, during lockdown, it seemed that everyone was, was coming together and something to look forward to. And, and, but over time it's become, it has become tiresome and, uh, really, I think that that enthusiasm has waned slightly. I think if that moment does arrive, if, if the, the, the hashtag hands moment does arrive, if, if, if it does get approved at some stage, I think that there will be that overwhelming sense of relief as much as anything now. And people will still celebrate, but it has, it has become uh, very frustrating. I mean, from a journalistic point of view, it's been a very difficult story to cover, partly because it, we've been in lockdown, but also because the Premier League aren't particularly leaky, for want of a better term. They don't really mm. give that much away. So um, although we have good connections on the... On the perspective buying side, Mike Ashley side is difficult to get things to. They've basically uh, gone into lockdown for, for no, pardon the pun, um, and so it's been difficult to get things from them. Newcastle themselves have, have, have haven't given a steer. They never they never really do, and they haven't given anything 
on this. So it, it's be, it's become frustrating, it's become very tiresome. And the fact is that the people with unlike other clubs with with football come back now, it's sort of like, oh, they're really excited about the football. And with Newcastle, the football's almost been irrelevant all season. I mean, it's it's good in one way that it's come back because it, as crap as the football's been for a lot of this season, it means the conversation is is moving slightly. But for us to have got to this position where the takeover still hasn't gone through, nobody envisages that. I don't think. I don't think. Premier League themselves didn't. Mike Ashley didn't. I mean, he expected to 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 have gone by now. So it's been frustrating. It's been uh, difficult to cover. And do I think it's going to go through? I mean, I'm going to sit on the fence to a degree and just say that I I can't say anything for certain. But certainly the buyers have been confident throughout. Um, it has been a conversation in terms of it hasn't just been flat out rejected or or approved. There, ha- there have be- has been a back and forth. So when the Premier League have wanted uh, more to, to hear about, say, the WTO uh, issues or piracy issues in general, that they've given the prospective buyers a chance to answer those. So I, I, th- I still think that, that there is a good chance this will go through, but uh, don't hold me to it because it's just... It, 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 all, all along, none of this has made any sort of sense. And the Henry Maurice stuff the other day was, was very strange. It was another, another twist to the story. And, and it's just, yeah, I, I, I think all of us would just like it to end, hopefully in a positive manner. But it just needs, it, the conversation just needs to move on now. Absolutely. But, it, you know, it wouldn't be Newcastle if it made sense, um, I suppose. <laughs> um, and on that, Henry Maurice, it's, do you think there's anything in that? Because it, seems very peculiar peculiar timing for me um, and just the way it's come about 50 million over the bid that um, Piff and, and Stavely have put in it seems very strange to me I mean not none of it seems to add up but a lot of this hasn't added up to I don't want I don't want to uh have a go at any one story from the other day because clearly there was a, clearly the information came from somewhere I wasn't privy to, to said information there was seemed to be and this is just partly uh, my take on it. It seemed like there was a briefing somewhere on on Wednesday morning when those came about. I've I've done some digging of my own, and it's proven um, frustrating in itself. I've, I've I've spoken to a few people, and they they've been very. It hasn't been very forthcoming with details and in terms of specifics of it. So um, I would just say that the, the reality is that it, it, the Amanda Stavely led group are the ones at the moment who uh, have a contract signed with Mike Ashley. And my understanding is that unless the Premier League reject it or the money is not transferred, then essentially they, they, they will take over the club as long as it is approved. So I, for me, Henry Maurice, maybe he does want, he, he, I have no doubt that probably does want to buy the club and maybe he would pay $350 million, although I agree it would be a strange figure to pay unless, I, mean, I suppose the one thing about that is I've spoken to some people and maybe it's structured in a different way to PIF's deal because my understanding is PIF would basically pay all the money if it was, say, 350 million, but it's 50 million now or in the future. Or there's even been suggestions to make it could be a leveraged buyout like, like Man United. And therefore, mm. uh, again, it may, it may not be as straightforward. But for now, I would just, the, the focus remains on the Amanda Stable. They're the ones who have an approval or rejection. Hopefully, the former, but unfortunately, we're just in that position where you're just waiting. And I know the wait's been long, and I know it's tiresome. But with with football coming back, hopefully, that just distracts everyone just that little bit. Yeah, I think it will do. I think it will do, and then we can get back to uh, arguing about um, you know expected goals and stuff like that. Um, 
For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I think um, for Steve, like he's been trying to sort of transform the way we play in a bit, in a way. Um, I think no one knows, but if he's here next year, do you see a more attacking style of football? You know, the big if, if he's like here next year, because he's slowly started to develop that. Would you would you see that um, a change in formation or um, just a more attacking style of football for next season? Yeah, I think I think that we will. I mean, he said early on, and I, I feel for him a little bit because uh, there was a big thing. I think it was Lee Charlie's program those first game of the season where he talked about front foot football, and clearly that once Bruce had, had had time to actually assess the squad because when he arrived two and a half three before the start of the season, once he arrived and assessed the squad, he realised they didn't really have the personnel or he didn't feel. They had the personnel to do that. I do think he is trying to shift things a little bit. Although I don't think he's had the impact that that Bruce would have liked. Nabi Bentaleb is one who's brought in for that. Someone who's, who's who will who does like to have the ball a bit more technically savvy on in possession. He's extended John Joe Shelby's contract. Um, the likes of Alan Saint Maximan Almiron. You have these more tight players. I think that over time, if Steve Bruce is still here next season you won't see a reversion to, to what we saw for, for large parts of this season. Or if we do, then I think the criticism will arrive and arrive in a barrage. And I think he, he he would have to accept that because he's made out as if he didn't want to do that. I think genuinely he didn't so much want to do that. He has wanted to play more on the front foot. And if he can get in the position to do so, then he will very much be looking for that. And so hopefully we won't have to put up with, with, with some of the football that we've seen as effective as it may have been in some ways. And, Although I don't know how Sheffield United away, for example, we've got Sheffield United at home this weekend. Sheffield United away, for example, how Newcastle came out with of that with a two 0 win, I, I will never know. It, it felt unsustainable. It, it became unsustainable, and, and hopefully Bruce is now trying to change things and make Newcastle a bit more progressive. Yeah, let's let's hope so. I hope for his sake that you know he he does get to continue and and finish his project. Let's speak like Rafa Benitez for a bit. Um, finish his project um, because he's a lovely fella, and I think he deserves more time um, than he's getting at the moment. So, um, also in terms of Sunday, how do you how do you see it going? It's a tough one to predict. I mean, it would have been tough had this whole um, pandemic not started. It would have been tough to predict then because we were on a pretty decent run of form. How do you see it going? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fairly turgid game. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Newcastle. I know it's different, and I know any sort of form is almost out of the window. We have no idea. Certainly, in Newcastle. We saw Sheffield United on Wednesday. They've had an extra ninety minutes to to play. But I, I think nil nil or one one. I don't think it's going to be a particularly exciting game. I hope I'm wrong, by the way. But I don't. I don't expect it to be a particularly exciting game. I think that it'll be a bit. I was going to say a cagey affair, but can it be cagey if there aren't actually any? If there's actually anyone on the ground, but uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think I think the two teams will sort of cancel each other out, and I don't think a draw first up would be the worst result for Newcastle. Obviously, with a home game, you'd want you'd want them to win it, but if they were to get another point, move up to thirty six, then they've got Villa on Wednesday, which is like they think they've got a decent chance of winning, and so then then they'd be putting themselves in a, in a, in a decent position. So yeah, I, I think a draw. If you, if you push me out, I think I'd say nil nil. 
It's another classic. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> My predictions are terrible, so it's maybe, almost certainly going to be wrong. Well, maybe we should just not bother watching if it's going to be a boring <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um Sort of moving away from, from the football and kind of um, just looking ahead to next season if we can. Um, do you think the takeover is a disruption for the players as they basically won't know their futures. I know there's a couple of players out of contract and, and looking for an extension. I see the likes of Mankio that you know he doesn't know where his future lies and it's a lot of uncertainty around the club and I, th- I hate to use that word because it's used so many times um, you know, in association, with, in association with Newcastle, uncertainty and that's been Ashley's sort of um, key word I think. Um, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, there has been some uncertainty. As you say, it's almost become a cliche to be linked with Newcastle, but that is what has been throughout most of the Ashira, even more so now. A lot of players are wondering what, what the heck's going to happen. Steve Bruce himself is wondering what the heck's going to happen. He doesn't, he doesn't know who's going to be uh, his ultimate boss. He doesn't know what the transfer kitty is going to be this summer. He doesn't know. And so I think early on in lockdown, Newcastle sort of weren't rushing to really restart contract negotiations with the likes of Javier Mancuso and Andy Carroll because they thought that it was going to be and, and rightly to to an extent I, I, I have some empathy for, the, for them that they were waiting for the perspective because essentially you could make a business decision um, that you think say for example Steve Bruce wants Andy Carroll to stay and Steve Bruce has been very keen for Andy Carroll to sign another deal but the prospective new owners and I don't know if this is the case but if the prospective new owners actually said I don't we don't we don't want Andy Carroll the the, the current hierarchy were, were waiting and you could say they were kicking the can down the road for someone else to make the decision but ultimately they didn't think they were going to be owner either so a lot of these decisions have been delayed and subsequently when it's got to a point where we just don't know and, and football is coming back Steve Bruce has looked at it and some of the first team staff have looked at it and said well actually we have players here who we need them to be focused on the here and now we need them to be focused on these games and will they sign a short-term extension for another month? We have to give them an incentive. So certainly Mankio and Newcastle are looking to extend it beyond just the end of this season. They want to keep Mankio longer. The, the carrot of, it, of, it, of at least another season has been dangled to uh, Andy Carroll as well. Matty Longstaff, obviously, long-term. But you have other players who are going in the final 12 months of their contract. I mean, Isaac Hayden's situation remains a strange one that... It looked a year ago as if he was, de- well, a year and a half ago as if he was definitely going to go. Then last year, he seemed quite keen to potentially commit his future. Bruce was saying that he's one of the first players he wants to tie down. Here we are a year on nearly, and he still hasn't signed a new deal and doesn't really seem any closer to signing a new deal. So there is so much uncertainty around the squad um, and around who may or may not be at Newcastle United. Dwight Gale, I was almost certain before the coronavirus pandemic that he would leave this summer. I couldn't see any way he would remain. But how will championship clubs be affected by this? Can championship clubs afford to sign Dwight Gale this summer? Can Newcastle certainly can't get anything like the fee that they would have hoped they would have been able to get from. So what happens to Dwight Gale with only 12 months left in his contract? Everything has been thrown up in the air, and that's the same at every club at every level because of the coronavirus pandemic. But at Newcastle, that is exacerbated further because you can't even begin to plan long-term, or certainly the current ownership aren't, because they don't expect to be here. So... Yeah, uncertainty is, is everywhere. It is, it is the club in limbo. Unfortunately, it, it is cliched, but as, as, as hopefully the ghost ship piece shown and a few other pieces that George Colgan and I have written over the last few months, so basically this is obviously the lockdown takeover and, and a club in transition. I mean, I, I know 
from, from very good sources that, that Mark Gillespie, the, the former Newcastle Academy graduate um, who left Motherwell, uh, was, was very interested in coming back to Newcastle. Newcastle United held extensive talks with him and before lockdown, it looked like he was almost certain to sign a free transfer. His situation is, is being put on hold for, for a variety of reasons, including coronavirus, but also Newcastle's current situation. So yes, it, it is just the club where you cannot really forward plan because nobody knows what is what who is going to be in charge next week, never mind next season. Yeah, I mean, that, that sort of transitions nicely into um, basically the season ticket situation. Why is it you think that Newcastle was so far behind the rest of the league in terms of season tickets being refunded? Because to me, it can't be a, a sort of a clash of old ownership with, well, current ownership with new ownership. For me, it seems like a, such a simple decision to make, but yet a club are stalling and stalling and then eventually, just because the sheer amount of pressure put onto them, they've finally gone ahead and done it. It just seems a very strange situation to me. Yeah, and I mean, my answer is partly supposition. I don't have the exact answer to your question. I would, I would like to be able to, but, but getting questions, getting answers out on Newcastle United at the moment is, is borderline impossible. It was difficult enough before, but it's borderline impossible right now. I mean, the fact that Newcastle have now come out and offered some sort of clarity, certainly about this season, obviously not the ones who've already, not people who've already paid uh, towards direct, direct debits for next season, but the, the fact that I have been able to give some clarity when there hasn't been a transition of power says to me that they could have done it sooner if they really wanted to. But, uh, and this is, this is partly just, as, again, me, me, Theorizing, I don't know that this for certain, but I, I think that the fact that so many staff have been furloughed has been part of the issue. Is that there? This is a very, it is actually a very complicated thing to be able. I know people are like, oh, can you just give me my money back? But it is actually a bit more complicated than that to actually get the money. You have to have the physical workforce to be able to transfer that money back or to, to process, to speak to people and to see how much they owe and to work out, well, you're on every one season ticket essentially is a different value. So what, what it, what is the value of five games of that season ticket or what is the value of this and that and how do we get the money back to you? Well, the vast majority of Newcastle's workforce have been furloughed and the vast majority of them stay, are staying furloughed. There's some have been brought back, but not all. The box office, the ticket staff have been affected by that. And so I think that that has played a role. I think if, if in an ideal world, with the way that the current owners have seen it, is they would have liked it to have been an issue that new owners could have dealt with. And you could argue that maybe maybe that should be something that, that they should have been dealing with. But the reality is that, that the current ownership is there. It's been confirmed, I think it was three weeks ago, that uh, games were definitely going to be behind closed doors. Some clubs even before that were, were, were offering refunds, but it took Newcastle nearly three weeks after when the Premier League was confirmed has come back to, to come up with anything. And that's frustrating. And I do think it is. It has been for pressure from the trust and pre- the Newcastle United Trust and, and pressure from various other groups, MPs and, and, and other people behind the scenes. And eventually, I think the reason that, that really they were forced into it was because the Premier League actually intervened and basically, I think, privately said, this is an issue that needs resolved. The games are back on Sunday. You're not going to have any Newcastle United fans in there. Sheffield United have already refunded their fans for the away tickets. This needs to be sorted. So it, it has been shambolic. Finally, we've reached a stage where we are starting to move forward with it. But I do really feel for those fans, particularly those who have been affected, who may have been furloughed or lost jobs or had various other issues in this COVID-affected world that we're all going through. And hopefully now they can start to, to get some of that money back, which is, which is rightfully theirs. Yeah, I think it's, it, just, it just seems bizarre to me. You know, if you 
I, I, I guess I don't have the relevant qualifications to kind of speak about it, but if you communicate with people, if they had, the club had just come out and said, look, we are working on it, but it might be delayed, I think supporters would have at least understood then, but it was just the whole leaving us in the dark and we didn't have a clue what was going on. I think that made people more and more angry, more and more upset and and I think, you know, the one thing we take out of Ashley's ownership is the lack of communication. And that was another example of it then. And it's it's just been a, a bit of a joke, really. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think I think it was one of those things where, as you say, they could have come out. It would have been unsatisfactory to have done it, but it would have been far better than what we had if they'd come out early on and said, look, we acknowledge this is a problem and you are owed money. But at the moment, we, are, we don't actually either have the infrastructure or capacity to be able to deal with that. But over time, we will. But it's when you send out emails to fans saying, "Oh, you can the NUC club shops open again," or Christian Atsu is going to be playing a game on EA Sports, whatever people this weekend, or you can watch it on YouTube. And it's like, but you haven't actually acknowledged what is a real, actual problem that is affecting so many people. It's not, as you say, it's not that if they couldn't provide clarity, that is unsatisfactory. But at least address the fact that there is an issue there. It just seemed like they were just putting their hands over their ears, ignoring the problem, and that. It's been the fundamental problem of the Magash era, and it was it really has come into sharp focus in, in recent weeks. Yeah, it's 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 just been amazing to kind of watch it all unfold, I suppose. Um, and finally, uh, Chris, um, these are two very difficult questions, so I hope you're ready. Um, but um, what is your best moment um, under that Ashley era? Well, I've got a bit of a probably a strange answer, but. We like strange answers. Yeah, I've sort of narrowed it to my time covering the club as well. Because, but if I do go for those sort of five or six years that that I have actually been covering the club full time, I'm going to pick the final game of the 2015-16 season, which obviously seems strange because Newcastle United were relegated. But that also, in in a strange sort of way, seemed the most positive time of when I've been covering the club. That Newcastle had just been relegated, and you it should on the Wednesday night. Obviously, Sunderland beat Everton three nil, and I remember I was at, actually that night I was at a uh, Newcastle Newcastle Falcons end of season dinner, and I was sitting there checking the scores, and obviously I was enjoying the night, and having a few beers, but at the same time there was, there was that thing about right, I'm covering a Championship club next season. It's it's been confirmed. Um, that. It seemed such a negative, but then by the Sunday, I think it was Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah. By the Sunday, when Newcastle hosted Spurs, you turned up at St. James's Park, and even before the fans had turned up at the ground itself, but in the centre of Newcastle, you just you could just sense that this this was this was there was positivity everywhere. There was enthusiasm. There was this desire for Rafa Benitez to stay to convince Rafa Benitez that he had to stay and that Newcastle could build something if he did. And and the way they went about and and, and thrash Spurs and. Even with ten men, obviously Mitrovic was sent off, wasn't he? Um, but the, the way that, the way that went about the whole game and just the atmosphere and the singing of, of La Bamba and all that sort of th- stuff, it was just it was brilliant. And, and you felt you felt there was a positive energy and a momentum about the club going down, which I've, I, I think is unique. I can't think of another situation where it's been like that, where a club has almost benefited from the in a, in a perverse sort of way, and they had to come back up, but. That you felt that this is the energy bounce that they needed, and then they rode on that crest of a wave into the championship and and, and came back with it. With I mean, probably my second favorite one would have been the final 
day of the, of the following season when they put Brighton in the end to the to the Championship trophy in sort of bizarre fashion where everyone not really know what's going on. But I just think, yeah, if that has been a rare moment of, of genuine positivity, not just in the here and now. In fact, in the here and now, it was Newcastle have just been relegated, but it was positivity for the future. Whereas if you look back at, say, the fifth place season or whatever, there was, there was oh, the momentum quickly gets ebbed away and obviously eventually it did. Uh, under Rafa Benitez and, and he didn't get what he wanted but just at that point you felt that actually maybe there is maybe there is a way for Mike Ashley to make this work to a degree maybe he can actually claw something back if he's got Rafa Benitez and he give Rafa Benitez the keys to the kingdom obviously it didn't quite work out like that but I, I'm, I'm going to go for that moment just as a just as a one way I just thought this is this is this is the time where things can change I love that it's it's actually probably one of the best atmospheres I've witnessed and um yeah, it was a beautiful day for it as well. It was really brilliant. brilliant. Whole day was brilliant. Um, good answer. It wasn't a strange answer at all. Um, okay, on the flip side of that, what is the worst moment under Mike Ashley? There's plenty of them. There is. I mean, this is this. This could be. I was going to say a whole podcast. But this could be a whole series of podcasts in itself, couldn't it? This could be. You could you could do a whole Netflix series on uh, on this. I mean, I do. I wouldn't. I, I don't. We're not some I don't think you want to put anyone through that. But um, I think I would go to probably, I think it would be, would be relegation in, in, in 2009 because just more almost what happened afterwards and, the, and almost the opposite of my answer to why what I see is, is the whole best memory is at that point you didn't see a way out. You didn't, it, was, it was almost impossible to see how Newcastle United were going to claw them, themselves back and George and I did one of my favourite pieces I've done for the Athletics so far, looking back at the, the 2009-10 championship season and speaking to so many players and, and Chris Hutton who involved in that and basically how it gets remembered as it's almost seen as that, that was easy and that team should have come up. But actually that was a season of chaos. Newcastle remained in chaos having gone down. They remained in chaos throughout the whole of that season. And without the group of core group of players and Chris Hutton, they would never have come back at the first time of asking And who knows what would have happened to them. It, it almost doesn't bear thinking about where, where they could, the depths they could have gone to. And so that team in 2008 or nine, if you put it on paper, that squad should never have been relegated, but the quality within that squad was far too good. But it just showed the dysfunction of the football club that had so many managers that year. Obviously, Alan Shearer was there, but ha- hadn't kept them up. And I think that, that added to the, the sort of negativity of it all, that, that, that a club legend is forever now going to be associated unfairly with Newcastle United being relegated when he was manager. And I, so I think all of that disappointment added together, I would probably go for that moment. Um, and for, just because as well, that he's just never learned from that. It hasn't, it hasn't been the case that, right, Newcastle have gone down. These were all the mistakes that were made. We'll make sure, as long as I'm owner again, even if I don't want to own this football club, I'll make sure that these issues don't, don't arise again. The same problems, the same fundamental issues have arisen time and time again. And it's just become cyclical under my gosh. It's because it happens time and time again. And so, yeah, I, I, to depress everyone, I go back to, to, to that summer of, uh, of 2009 when Newcastle were relegated for the first time in the Premier League era. Yeah, that, that should have been the, the kick up the backside that Ashley needed to kind of focus on it and not Sports Direct or whatever he's got going on. Um, but for me, last thing on this, if we hadn't have been relegated um, that year and Shearer was in charge, I, I don't think he would have been put off by management. I, I, it's still yeah, my opinion that I think if he had kept us up, 
that he would have he would have remained as a manager for a long time. Maybe maybe not at Newcastle because you don't know what Mike Ashley's like, but he may have gone into a different club. Um, so it's a shame on Shearer's part, I think. Just no, I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. And um, I mean, just the way he was obviously treated by Mike Ashley, I don't even need, you'd need to go into that because everyone listening will, will know, but the fact that he, he, he still, I mean, when we spoke of this piece, he basically said, yeah, I'm still waiting for that phone call. And, um, yeah, it's just the fact that he was very inexperienced when he came in, but he does get any, you will always have fans of other clubs saying, oh, he, he took you down, he took you down. And it, it's so unfair given the context of the situation that he was in. It was shambolic. The whole season was shambolic. Um, and he came in with, and, and it looked like Newcastle were going to survive. And then and then the Fulham defeat sort of changed it all. And so the fact that he hasn't actually gone into management subsequently is that is the only managerial job he's had. Unfortunately, he is always going to be associated with that. But obviously, on Tyneside, it hasn't harmed his reputation at all, as it shouldn't, because uh, he remains the, the the club's record goal scorer, and I don't think that is ever likely to change. So. No, I can't see it. I, uh, no offence to him, but I don't see uh, Jordan and breaking it. Um, <laughs> there we are. Um, well, um, that's that's the end of it, Chris. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, so you know, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, You've been listening to CHN Radio. Um, I hope you join us again soon. Away the lads. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the club again. I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny how I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion you've all seen him there before And I love the Jody heroes there's so many famous names like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tonight. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd 
I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound of me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll pray the dog is in jail.